Audiologist, a Phonak podcast. Welcome to The Audiologist, a podcast series created by Phonak to offer audiologists and people interested in audiology new perspectives on hearing health topics. This series of podcasts is all about adults with severe to profound hearing loss. At the microphone is audiologist Bernadette Fulton. I'm audiology manager for severe to profound hearing loss at Phonak International Headquarters in Switzerland. With me today is psychologist Dr Lorraine Gailey, who until recently was the Chief Operating Officer for Hearing Link in the UK. Hearing Link is a rehabilitation service for adults with severe and profound hearing loss and their partners, and it includes residential placement. Lorraine is a contributing author to the guidelines. Welcome, Lorraine. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Care for clients with severe and profound hearing loss should go beyond technology and should include communication partners. Has that been your experience, Lorraine? It absolutely has. I mean, for 30 years, I worked alongside adults and their communication partners. Uh, That was often spouses or partners, but sometimes it would have been adult children. And we all know that communication is a two-way process, but I saw that in action time and time and time again. If you address a communication problem in just one side of that partnership, you're not addressing the communication barrier that exists there. There are practical strategies and there is emotional adjustment required on both sides of a partnership that's facing a severe and profound hearing loss. So one of the aims of your work at Hearing Link was to help adults in adjusting to life with a severe and profound hearing loss. Is adjustment only a problem for sudden onset hearing loss? Well, Some time ago, there was a very famous politician in the UK, sadly, he has now passed away, called Jack Ashley, who lost his hearing suddenly, um, was one of the really significant implant wearers in the UK, and remained a member of parliament to the end of his days. And he put it better, I think, than anyone can. He said, you can lose your hearing frighteningly quickly or cruelly slowly. There is no good way to lose it. In my experience, if it's a very sudden hearing loss, then the challenges come from the fact the person has no time to adjust. They got no time to prepare. They got no time to make minor modifications or even big changes. It's right there in front of them all at once. But if it comes on very slowly and gradually, two things happen. If the person knows that the hearing loss is progressive and it's going to get worse, there's a dread of what's to come that they have to handle in addition to trying to contend with the problems they've got today. And the second thing that can happen is there's a very long time where they can build up maladaptive habits, things that get you through in the short term but become a real problem later on, like relying on someone else to have your communication for you, for example. It's a useful short-term strategy in some cases, but if it becomes embedded, it's much more difficult to shift in the long run. So I just think it's not a great thing to have happen to anyone, no matter how it comes about. Mm -hmm. 
That, that was a great quote from um, Jack Ashley because, yeah, it's both a dreadful and a hard thing. So for people who find themselves in this situation, is contact with their peers who also have hearing loss, is that important to provide support to one another and reduce the isolation that people feel? I'm a great believer in the fact that um, if you're managing any major life change, especially if it's a negative one that you didn't seek and you don't welcome, and let's face it, severe profound hearing loss falls firmly in that category, then feeling that you are not the only one this has ever happened to is an essential part of learning how to manage that in your life. And the only really convincing way that people ever get to that point is by talking to other people who have also been down the same path. People who are living with a severe or profound hearing loss all day, every day, everywhere, and with everyone they ever speak to, go through life experiences that those of us who don't fall in that category can understand from the outside, certainly. I've been around it a lot. I've had friends, colleagues, workmates, whatever. But I would never, ever say I totally understand it or empathise with it. I can't. And I feel blessed because of that. You need Mm -hmm. to be able to look someone in the eye and know that they've had the same tears So you can share the triumphs with them, you can share the tricks of the trade they've learned and they can tell you with integrity, I know how you feel right now and believe me, I've been there. And believe me, it can move forward. I I just don't think there's anything that is more powerful for people who are facing this kind of situation than that. It's, It's vital. So Lorraine, in your work at Hearing Link, you would have been able to give people the opportunity to meet other adults with severe and profound hearing loss. But do you think that this would be something that's within the scope of an audiology clinic? It would depend entirely what resources are available. And we all know that resources are scarce and um, the opportunity to put that kind of thing together is not there for many clinics. But I would also say a clinic is not necessarily the best place for that to take place anyway. Um, Contact with another peer, contact with someone else who's living your experience. And this goes for partners, by the way, as well as the individual with hearing loss. Um, Outside of a clinic setting is often far more powerful. So I think the onus is on the audiologist, not necessarily to directly provide this, It may be practically possible to do so, in which case you may want to consider it. But I think it's often even preferable to make sure that what you do is to signpost appropriately to where the person can find this. They won't know how to find it themselves because this is a new world to them. But within the audiologist framework, it should be part of your professional offer to be able to point them within your country, within your context, to where they can find that and then they'll make their own choices from there on. (music) 
So one of the other things that you were involved in at Hearing Link was training. The training was about effective communication strategies, behaviours, attitudes, and training which included communication partners. Can you explain a little bit about the type of training that you do at Hearing Link and that you know is helpful for adults with severe and profound hearing loss? Yes, I mean, there is an element of um, training that people with severe and profound hearing loss need, which is about auditory training. That's vital. So everything I'm about to say doesn't mean you don't need that or it's not particularly important. It really is essential. But over and above that, then there's training, I think, that is really helpful in terms of individual behaviour. And again, this applies to the person with hearing loss and their spouse or their partner or their colleague or close contact, which is about getting the tactics right, getting the lighting right, the positioning. Uh, Lip reading is a big part of that. Um, But understanding the limitations and the potential is really important. So that's one thing, which is behaviour. I think surroundings, understanding why some places are easier to listen in than others, can help people to make much better choices and not feel so frustrated when they realise that they're struggling because they can look around and say, ah, that's because I'm in a place that doesn't support my hearing. And obviously they can also learn how to make adjustments and changes that would improve things. So behaviour, surroundings, technology, the use of accessories and the good use of their hearing aid. Yes, that's all part of it. And lots of those things don't necessarily fall within the normal audiology scope, like all the speech-to-text apps that are out there, mainstream, free technology. All of those things can be particularly useful for people with a severe and profound hearing loss. But you put all those together and you're still left with a gap And I think I could exemplify that by talking about a guy I worked with some years ago who was a senior manager, very highly regarded and respected in his company. Sudden hearing loss. He had all the right stuff, all the right gear, got really, really good audiology support. But he was convinced that that was the end of his career. It was an attitude problem that he had. He had a mindset that says, if I can't hear the way I used to, if I can't hear perfectly, then I can't do my job. And it was through talking to someone else who had held a similarly senior position as him that he realised all these things that I've learned, actually they are my tools, but I need to use those tools. And he began and he did and he got back in the saddle and he went on to be extremely successful. Um, so you can give, you can take the horse to water, but to have it drink, the horse <laughs> needs to see other horses drinking. I'm sorry, that metaphor got <laughs> carried away, but I think that's what peer support does. And actually what we've just done is also a real important part of it. There is so much laughter when you put together people with hearing loss. They laugh at their mistakes. They laugh at themselves. They laugh at the world. And laughter is such a precious commodity. They don't get much chance to laugh outside of those contexts. So one of the things that the hearing link groups used to see more than anything else was people falling apart laughing. Mm. Nothing better to see than that. Nothing more healing either. 
That's a really great point. Right, so this executive who had all of the equipment, all of the knowledge and all of the training, and you talk about the gap, it was about his confidence, wasn't it? It was about his confidence and that stemmed from his belief system. He believed that because he couldn't hear the way he was accustomed to hearing, he wasn't going to be able to do the job. Um, so it, it, he needed to know that the tools he had now, providing he used them, and I mean the strategy tools, not just the technical tools, were going to allow him to continue to offer his knowledge and skill and expertise in his business context in the same way that he was, that he did before, that he was mm. still the same person. His mm. value to the company was still the same. And his hearing obstacle was there for him to overcome and he could overcome it. Mm. And in fact, he was actually a, a really good communicator as it so happened, but he just didn't have the belief in himself. And no. confidence, you can't give someone confidence in a pill or a tablet. You have to show them that they are, um, that they do it and they succeed. It's like riding a bike. Nobody ever learned to ride a bike by reading a book to become confident. You have to get on the bike, fall off, laugh with somebody who's also fallen off, get back on again. Effectively, yeah. that's what he did. And that's what was missing for him. It's a really powerful story, Lorraine. You mentioned earlier on when we were talking about social isolation and the opportunity to meet with peers that the audiology clinic is not necessarily the best place for that to occur. And I know that in some of the things that you've spoken about today, the additional training and devices and support, that it might be challenging for some hearing clinics because typically they're going to have a very tight appointment schedule. Not all clinics have really set themselves up to be able to deliver the additional care that someone with a severe and profound hearing loss needs. And what you've implied is that, for example, with social isolation, they might be better to point the person um, in the right direction. I think you call them signposts and that to point the person in the right direction so that they can find what they need. If an audiology clinic sources the additional services that they need by referring their client onto another service, are those services likely to be professional or are peer-run services better? Does it matter, Lorraine, where the audiologist sends people? Well, I'd pick up two things there. One is, um, firstly, the, the word services um, if you're referring on to another service, then there is a professional duty of care involved, which inevitably and understandably leads people to feel more secure about referring into another professionally run service because, you know, you're, you're covered by all your professional standards doing that. And it is absolutely true that some professionally run services um, are excellent in terms of delivering peer support. So I'm not saying that they're not going to tick the box. They absolutely will. But there are other ways to get those that support. And it doesn't have to be through a service as such. It can be through some very informal arrangements in the community. Um, social media groups exist out there. 
there are some very informal social groupings and social gatherings of people with severe and profound hearing loss that get themselves together from time to time. And I understand totally the reluctance of audiologists with the duty of care to signpost to some of those things because then there is no guarantee of quality. There is no guarantee of standards. What I would say to that is remember that the people you're working with have a severe and profound hearing loss, but they are still responsible adults. and They're not actually ill and they don't need protecting in the real world out there. They still have capacity to make responsible decisions for themselves. Um, they have the capacity to make judgments and assessments as to whether this or that thing is fitting them or suiting their needs or whatever. And they'll walk away if they find something isn't right for them. And you don't need to make those choices on their behalf in advance. You need to make them aware of their options and the possibilities. Um, you need to be there for them to come back to, to say, I have found this and I'm worried by it. So you can respond. But I think your duty of care is to provide a signpost to some of the places they might look, not to close that door in case it's not delivered to a standard that you would associate with a professional service. So that suggests to me that who you refer to or where you refer to might be something that you cultivate over time carefully by investigating what's available and then recommending the services that you think or that that you, you think might supply people with the quality of care that they're looking for, you let them know about it and then you let them decide whether or not to take up the opportunity. I think acknowledging that everything is time pressured, mm. acknowledging that as an audiologist, the support that individual needs from you and is not going to get from anybody else is support for their hearing device and their ability to use that device the auditory training and the other forms of training they need to get the best out of their equipment. They can't get that from anywhere else. They need that from you. And boy, do they need that. They, they really need that technology more than anybody. Um, but yes, making yourself familiar also with what's available in your community. But I think also I'd come back again to not necessarily thinking of referring your patient to a service but just providing them with information to allow them to make their own choices. You can be much more free if you're just providing information about something than if you feel that you're referring into a service. Okay, so to try to recap what we've discussed today, the care of clients with severe and profound hearing loss necessarily needs to go beyond just the technology. The technology is really important, but training and communication strategies and adjusting to life is also really important. And it's important for any adult with severe and profound hearing loss to be able to make contact with peers. I would say, especially for reducing social isolation, but I think, Lorraine, you would say in coming to their own understanding of their hearing loss and going beyond the limitations that they believe they had. 
by meeting other people who found a way of living well with the hearing loss and that the training, the communication strategies, behaviours, attitudes and the training of communication partners really can have a huge impact on quality of life. Yeah. Lorraine, do you have a closing message for our listeners? I think you've just delivered it, Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a summary. It wasn't a closing message. I think the, the closing message, just to recap something that I said just a few minutes ago, um, these people need the absolute best technology. They need the right technology fitted to the in the right way and they need training in how to use it and get the most out of it. Um, they really need that. In addition... And quite separately, they need contact with other people who are living with the same level of challenge in their everyday life. That's where they will get the confidence from. That's where they'll derive their hope. It's where they'll get their inspiration that will keep them going because life is still going to be very difficult for them. And it will be for the rest of their lives. And Another thing that I would say is when they begin to find contact within the world of peers, something else that will develop, that will develop over time is they will begin to appreciate just how far they've come. When they in turn meet someone who's entering this world for the first time, that's when they'll realise, oh my goodness, I remember I used to have that problem or I used to feel that way. I used to, gosh, I didn't realise how far I'd moved on so it becomes like a virtuous circle coming back again it really helps to give people the affirmation that yes they're making headway and life is still pretty challenging but boy it's not the dead end that they thought they'd reached that's fantastic Thank you so much for joining us today, Lorraine, and especially for your work in making the guidelines for best practice a reality. If you would like to learn more or obtain a copy of the best practice guidelines, they can be downloaded from the Phonak Pro website, which is www.phonakpro.com, and then look for severe to profound hearing loss. Audiologist, a Phonak podcast.